sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Thursday football is back, and of course that means got to get your fantasy football lineups ready for the big weekend, I am Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizapia. That's what we are helping you do on this edition of Fantasy Sports Today. Of course, we are SportsGrid over at SportsGrid.com. Make sure you check us out. Folks, we're broadcasting 24-7, giving you the latest in fantasy, wagering, and, of course, a little reality dose as well. Uh, Joe, it's uh, another big week here for fantasy football. Certainly, fantasy football weeks fly by and seasons fly by. And just like in the NFL, it's great to start off 2-0. In fantasy football, you don't want to be 0-2. A lot different scenarios. So I know a lot of people out there, that's why they're in panic mode after the first week. <laughs> well, yeah. And even so, 0-2 is not the end of a season. It depends more about what your totals are. And that's why I'm a big proponent of the all-play formats, where every week you play everybody in the league, and then you get basically wins and losses off of that. Because very often, I know a couple of my losses, two of, the, two of my four losses this week in my 10 leagues, where I was the top three in terms of scoring, but I lost because somebody was just ahead of me. So if you're looking at the points for, and they're still pretty good, don't panic if you're 0-2, but you're not wrong. 0-2 is not how you want to start. By the way, Craig, yesterday on the program, you said on SportsGrid, we have 27 hours of programming, not even 24. Was that extra three when you get to complain about the Lions this past week? 27 hours? I said that on the show yesterday. You were ma- you were wow. making a joke. You were being funny. We got like we got like 27 hours. I thought. You, oh, you I got funny. you, man. I was like, it, it shows you how uh, crazy it is. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, back on the Lions this week against Green Bay. Ah, uh, you no, shook it off. Not. So you had that extra three hours to, to, probably to get not. back on track. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, probably not. But uh, we do have a lot to cover here on the show today, and of course, we'll cover some baseball coming up in the next segment. And certainly break down all the injuries and everything else happening in fantasy. Another key injury, potentially, to your fantasy team this week with the New York Jets. Let's get to that in just a second. First, let's touch on the highlights. And here are our highlights as we begin our top stories here on Fantasy Sports Today, here on this Monday. And let's begin by discussing some of them. The, of course, NFL is back tonight with the Browns and Bengals. The Miami Heat tries to go up 2-0 on the Celtics on Thursday. Of course, we have the U.S. Open Beginning at Wingfoot this week, college basketball looks like they're going to start in late November. That's good news for all of us, including us here at SportsGrid. And Luke Voigt hit another home run last night, Joe. He hits his 19th home run for the New York Yankees. Voigt is certainly having a season to remember. And I wonder how his uh, value is going to be affected in fantasy for 2021. I know that that's sort of what I'm starting to look at here in the last couple of weeks. Honestly, there's some players playing in baseball right now that I have heard very little to none about. And Void is certainly a player that I've known for a long time, but I, I would not have expected him to be the Major League home run leader, and he is the favorite right now at this point. He is, and the Yankees have played much better over the last few weeks. There's there's no way to uh, put that out of uh, commission there. You've also got Garrett Cole making another good start. His ERA is back down to three. So all the panic mode about Garrett Cole and whether or not that's going to work out or not, or who oh, he can't handle New York, even though there's no fans, there's no pressure that seems to be kind of marginalizing as well. So I think right now we're in a spot where the Yankees are getting hot at the right time, and that's not a good thing for the rest of the American League. Yeah, a couple of quick notes uh, from the NFL that we would have included in the headlines, but of course, as we start off the show, there's constant breaking news. And in fact, when our show is on the air here on SportsGrid, we usually have 
a lot of people who are waiting on some of the news and notes from the NFL and we're getting injury reports. And Joe, two players that look like their status is in doubt for this weekend. We have Jamison Crowder of the New York Jets who missed his second straight practice. He's going to have to practice tomorrow, I would think, to get on the field. It's usually how that works, especially for a receiver in the NFL and also no practice for Chris Godwin. A little bit of a different scenario with Godwin. It's not a physical issue. It is a concussion. But I would maybe give Godwin a chance to play coming up this Sunday if he practices tomorrow. But if not, I think you could be looking at both receivers out and both would be starting in fantasy lineups this week. Yeah, and the Godwin one is a huge loss because that was a great matchup for him against Carolina. Uh, He was one of those guys when we turned the page into Monday, I was super excited about, okay, week two, Chris Godwin here against the Panthers. Let's get right for Tampa. And I haven't in memory been able to sour on a game as quickly as I have as the Bucks and Panthers because I thought right after Sunday was over, it's like, okay, well, you got one out of your uh, out of your system. You got one out of the gate. Let's get back to basics. Let's get home. Let's go play against the Carolina Panthers. You stopped McCaffrey last year defensively. did a really good job there for Tampa, and all those receivers will run amok on that young defense. And the Godwin injury happened. Mike Evans was limited in practice again with a hamstring. All of a sudden, I don't want to say the sky is falling, but it doesn't look good. And I would say here we are on Thursday, him not practicing is also not a good sign. I would put this somewhere around maybe a 30% chance at best, maybe in 25, that he's actually going to play this week. So that means you have to start making adjustments now. You have to have a plan in place. Basically, I would be going forward, Craig, as though you don't have Godwin and put your lineup together that way. Do you think that's basically where you're at with him as well? Yeah, I've taken him out of the one lineup I have him in. So, yeah, I'm, I'm basically going along those lines. And in the one league that I'm in, I did not get Scotty Miller. It's it's like uh, we run reverse waivers in one of the leagues I'm in. There's no fab budget. So, essentially, you can imagine if you have – I had the third pick overall in the draft. They're running the waivers backwards. And that means that I'm not going to get Malcolm Brown. It means that I'm not going to get Benny Snell. And I'm not going to get Scotty Miller. And I'll have a shot to get somebody next week. But that's you know kind of the way that we've done it. We've had this league for 30 years. And people are adverse to change. So I suppose that that's sort of the way that we'll, uh, we'll handle that. All right, coming up next, we get into a little fantasy baseball. And we're going to talk about who the top performers were in the game last night, including another three home run performance and this time from a member of the New York Yankees. Of course, we'll have a preview of the Browns and Bengals coming up a little bit later in the show. We'll also tell you maybe the wrong team is favored in a couple of NFL games this weekend. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. I'm Craig Mish along with Joe Pizapia. Our first break is here, but don't go anywhere. Stay on the grid because we're back in just two minutes. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today with you here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Plenty of fantasy football discussion coming up for you over the next two hours. Myself, along with Joe Pizapia, getting you ready for week two of the NFL season. We got a full preview of the Browns and Bengals, of course, coming up from the fantasy and wagering perspective. Also, we'll pit two players, one against each other, and maybe help you make a decision in fantasy. If you have either of these players this weekend, maybe you may end up playing both. But Joe, certainly the baseball season rolls on. We're a little bit over a week away from the regular season being over, and that means the fantasy baseball season, albeit a very shortened season, is coming to an end next Sunday. 
Yes, it is. And I don't know if you noticed, but we had that little fantasy reality yesterday. And despite Jacob deGrom leaving that game with a uh, hamstring cramp, whatever they're calling it, spasms, uh, the Mets still found a way. So they've set the bar already at one win. I don't know how you feel about that. Are you getting a little uh, little concerned now about the whole Met one win this week with the wager on whether or not the uh, they would have more wins than the Jets and Giants combined? Yeah, I'm very worried. It's, uh, it kept me up very late last night. I didn't sleep. And so, I don't know. I may have to take a nap during the show to get through it. But All right, fantasy standouts. Let's give it to you from last night. And let's start off with Luke Voigt of the New York Yankees, who ended up hitting his 19th home run yesterday. Wow. Voigt is having some year in fantasy and reality, too, by the way. He's becoming an everyday player. Uh, Kyle Higashioka was the story, however. He outshined Voigt to a degree. He had three home runs. Did you play him in FanDuel last night? Wow. Uh, you won if you did. I, I would have to think. Five RBIs. He won some money. Uh, Jorge Alfaro from the Marlins hit two home runs. He's been really hot for them as well. He's got four runs driven in. He's getting a day off, though, today. He got hit in the face yesterday by a foul ball. On his face mask, no concussion, but gets a day off today. There is uh, afternoon baseball, by the way, coming up. How about Kyle Gibson of the Texas Rangers? Haven't said his name once in months, and for good reason, because he just hasn't been very good. But all out of nowhere, this is what Gibson does. He just finds like a game or two during the season to complete. He did it yesterday. Nine innings pitched, four hits, no one runs, nine strikeouts. He improves to two and five. Luis Castillo will be an interesting name next year because he started off really slow. He's been one of the National League's best pitchers since. Seven innings pitch, no one runs, 10 strikeouts, and he improves to three and five. And then Joe Brady Singer, the rookie who basically had zero minor league experience above a ball, who already almost threw a no-hitter this year, threw six shutout innings again yesterday and struck out eight, and he improves to three and four. And it just goes to show you that if you're not paying attention to fantasy baseball at the end of the season and you've moved over to football, that's certainly fine. But it's names like these that you have to be aware of because in 2021, there are going to be some people in your draft, Joe, that are going to go Brady Singer, Kansas City Royals. Oh, you know, ZRA is around four. Ah, I'll wait on him. And then you look at how good he's done over the last month and you think, man, maybe he found it. Yeah, well, part of the reason why the ERA is a little on the inflated side is also because he's been limited, because he's a guy that just jumped up from A-ball. So this is not a guy that's going to typically go seven, eight innings. Uh, he went six yesterday in a very good outing, and people will say, well, it was just against Detroit. But you know what? That's a tough division to be pitching in, too. You have to deal with the White Sox lineup, the Twins lineup. It, it's a very difficult out. I think that uh, certainly Singer is a guy that I think you would want to target late uh, next year in drafts. I think he's a guy that you could play as a matchup play when he's got matchups against the Tigers or some of the weaker teams potentially in the American League as he goes through. And maybe you kind of sit him against uh, the White Sox or, or the Twins next year. But I was very impressed in him making that jump uh, over there from uh, basically high A all the way up to the major leagues. I mean, it's pretty incredible there uh, that he's been able to do that. And uh, that certainly bodes well for the Royals because they are a team that desperately needs more starting pitching to be developed from within the organization because we all know they are not going to be out there on the free agent wire. They're not going to be spending that kind of money in the offseason. Castillo is another guy. He's been up and down. Uh, we talked about him earlier in the this month about – you know, look at that FIP compared to what his ERA is, and we thought eventually that would regulate, and guess what? It has. In the last couple of weeks, last couple of starts, it has gotten back, and this is why those deeper stats can be very important sometimes. Just the ERA alone doesn't always tell the picture, uh, the picture of a pitcher, so to speak. And of course, I mean, it's tough to talk about baseball right now and not talk about the Yankees, and it, it grinds me because I'm a Met fan, but look, this is where we're at. The Yankees are getting hot. Garrett Cole starting to look like Garrett Cole. That bullpen is incredible we all know that 
if they can get Luke Voigt right here and and have him be the guy that's going to 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 be carrying them into the playoffs offensively, that's fantastic. Voigt has shown glimpses of this in the past, and then he's been on the IL a little bit too much, and that was always the risk going into the season. But can he get Judge back? Can he get Stanton healthy? Can he get all these pieces at one time? If you can, that's a terrifying idea to think you got to go through that lineup with a guy like Garrett Cole at the top of that rotation. And I don't care what you're getting from the rest of the rotation. That bullpen is good enough that if the rest of the rotation could just be competitive in some of these playoff games, the bullpen will carry over the rest. You just got to score runs. And look, Luke Voigt's been absolutely spectacular. There's no way around it. Yeah, he has. And and by the way, if if you thought about three home runs in one game, you probably would go, okay, Judge, Stanton, right. Torres, maybe even DJ LeMahieu. But the hero of last night's Yankee game, three home runs in one game for Kyle Higashioka, who after the game said that even though his first three at first three hits in the big leagues were home runs in the past, it took him about 20 at-bats to get to that point. So no doubt, those were the three biggest hits that he's had in his career. The first three hits came after, I think, 0 for 22. So, And then there were like, you know, three hits over maybe like 12 at-bats. This was a little, a little more special. All right, and Kyle Higashioka certainly with the three home runs yesterday, and it tells you something, Joe. There's no doubt that the Yankees are getting it from a lot of different avenues. There's no question that for me, uh, I never have him on the fantasy radar at all, but it's why you pay attention toward the end of the year. Gary Sanchez is their catcher, but anything can happen on any given day. Let me tell you something. I don't know how much longer Gary Sanchez is going to be their catcher. I mean, this has just been a terrible, what is he, at 180 right now or somewhere around yeah, there? Yeah, he's having a bad and year. I have to and I have him in my 2014 Dynasty League, and I had him as a minor league player, so he's still relatively cheap in terms of you know the cost, the escalators that go in. Eventually, you promote a guy, he becomes a dollar salary and all that. And I am kicking myself because the last two years, I had okay offers out there where I could have punted on him and said, okay, enough with the Gary Sanchez. But I'm always tempted by the power, especially a deep that uh, league that deep where you get – you know, a 24 catchers having to be rostered. You're looking at him like, well, this guy's at least going to hit home runs. Now I'm just regretting it. I'm sitting there with him on that roster, and I know I can't get rid of him. And the next thing you know, I'm just going to have to let him go back into the pile because he can be too expensive probably next year to keep, considering how bad he's been this year. So I'm very, very frustrated with Gary Sanchez. I'm sure the Yankees are too, and that's why you're starting to see some of these other guys play more. I guess the question I have for you is, do you think going into next year, the Yankees are going to go through this Sanchez thing again? Because he's had some hiccups defensively. We all know that. That's always been an issue for him. And if he's not going to hit offensively, then what do you have left to contribute to the team, Craig? <laughs> yeah, not much. And and I don't think that Higashioka is a long-term answer there. Maybe they'll dive in on JT Real Muto in the offseason. I don't know. Huh. They, they you know, certainly have. Look, I, I think maybe over the course of 162, maybe Sanchez is a much better player. This is like a first half, second half situation. I mean, think about it. We'd be in May right now of the regular season. So there'd be a lot more to play. And so I'm not going to totally overact to it, but maybe he only has one year left in him. Now, I want to end with this, and I'm not trying to embarrass you, Joe, so do not be embarrassed by this, because I, I had never heard of this player before, okay? Have you ever heard of the name Jared Walsh? Jared Walsh, uh, no. No, and okay, look, the answer is no. Fairness, you, tried, I ha- you tried to embarrass me once before, and I, I got the guy, and you said I was going to get a reward, and I'm still waiting. I just Okay, so you're one for two. I had never heard of him either. Jared Walsh 
is on the Angels. In the last six games, Jared Walsh has hit five home runs. And in 22 games this season, he's hitting 328 with seven home runs, 17 runs driven in, and his OPS is over 1,000. And this is a good reason that why we continue to talk about a little fantasy baseball at the end of the season. Because if we didn't, you would look back, Joe, next year and say, where in the world did this guy come from? I don't even remember him. I had never heard of him. Yeah, well, Chris Bobick got his first win uh, the other day, and that was the other guy. And I think the other one was Brubaker for Pittsburgh, and this is good. This is how we start to uh, get those names out there for everybody, give them a little play. But I think the reason why I didn't hear of Walsh, I know it sounded familiar, it's those late games, man. I'm just, I'm old. You know, when those late games happen, it's like, all right, see you later, folks. I don't know what's going to go on there with the Angels. (laughs) All right, we'll take a quick break. We got the update and the tip drill on the NBA game coming up. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone, what's going on? I am Greg Sauceman alongside Jeremy Stein of SportsGrid, who's here to preview Game 2 between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. It's the Eastern Conference Finals. It's a showdown slate. What's going on, Jeremy? Not too much. I think this series has the potential to go the distance, just like the Nuggets and the Clippers. Nuggets survive 3-1 twice. Hopefully they don't get down 3-1 to the Lakers, or that could sell, send them home. Maybe, or they'll come back again. We'll see what happens. But that's tomorrow night. We'll break it down. Let's get into tonight. The Heat and the Celtics game two is a showdown slate, so these prices aren't inflated. You have a chance to get double the points with your MVP, and you're going with the highest-priced player on the slate, and that is Jason Tatum. I'm going with Tatum purely for his offensive looks. He's been a force to be reckoned with from this Boston team, and he's taking you know anywhere between 26 to 29 shots per game, and a lot of those are behind the arc. So what I'm looking for here is reasonably 50 to 55 FanDuel points, excluding him at the MVP position. So you're looking at that 2x multiplier. This is an easy decision, in my opinion. Jason Tatum's upside is higher than anybody else in this game, and I think you have to go with him. It's very chalky, as we are just talking about, but as the MVP, I think you simply don't have a choice. Tatum deserves to be in that spot. This is a fun one you're going with next year as your star, and that's Gordon Dragic, who was awesome in Game 1. Obviously, you're expecting more of that here in Game 2. He's been all around awesome this entire bubble, so he's actually emerged from the bench to the starting position. He's been averaging about 22 points per game, and he's shooting 47% from the field. So if he's taking, you know, about let's say 20 to 23 shots per game, he's an easy decision to slide right into that spot tonight. Dragic has emerged, like you said, during this Orlando bubble. He's obviously always had the talent. He's been around forever and paying big dividends now for the Miami Heat, a veteran presence here on a team, certainly with championship aspirations. Up next, we go to the pro 1.2 times the amount of points. So you go with Kemba Walker, who really struggled for a lot of game one. Came on, hit a huge shot, probably a Kemba style uh, late in that game. Kemba Walker in your lineup. What are some other options? How come you want Kemba? 
I'm willing to go down with the ship. I'm just going to continue to suffer through Kemba for as long as it takes. Eventually, he will revert to the mean. You can't go one for nine from beyond the arc. That's just not a normal number for a player of his caliber. So he will revert to the mean and he will start to put up better numbers. He admits himself that he's not playing well. But again, what MVPs and All-Stars do, they snap themselves out of it. Yeah, it has been a struggle all, all really playoff long for Kemba Walker. The shooting stroke has not been there specifically from behind the arc. He does do other things though, which helps his value here. And obviously, like you said, he's a superstar. He's going to bounce back. Hopefully, that comes tonight. One final player we want to get you get you a, a utility option. He's more of a utility option, right? It's Marcus Smart, who does everything on the offensive end and the defensive end. He has been fantastic. I have to imagine uh, Jalen Brown also in consideration here. Why Marcus Smart as the one utility guy? You have to get in there. Really because he takes a lot of three-pointers and he takes a lot of shots. This is a probably one of the last considerations that we're going to have for him as we see Gordon Hayward eventually move back into the starting lineup. So this is going to be one of the last times where we're going to be looking at rostering him in a utility position. He does have a lot of high variance, so I feel comfortable starting him as a utility because I don't necessarily feel comfortable enough to put him into a multiplier slot given that He's got some variants. Yeah, the variance is there, obviously, with Smart. The, the ceiling is high, but the floor kind of low. So you take a shot on the utility, you don't guarantee anything uh, with the multiplier, and you get what you get with Marcus Smart, which we expect to be pretty damn good tonight here in Game 2. Jeremy Stein, we appreciate the time. Good luck tonight. Thanks so much. We'll be back for the Lakers game tomorrow. Game 1 is going to be fun between the Nuggets and the Lakers. We'll see if LeBron loses another Game 1 here. The Nuggets, obviously, the hot team with all the momentum. But that's tomorrow night. Enjoy the Celtics and the Heat tonight, 7 p.m. tip-off on ESPN. For Jeremy Stein, I'm Greg Sussman. Enjoy the game, everybody. I will be tuned in to that game between the Heat and Celtics tonight, no doubt. One of the most exciting playoff games we've seen in 2020. We got the East Finals and the West Finals going on at once. And certainly, Joe, got an NFL game to kick around tonight, which we will preview coming up in just a little bit. But uh, some key decisions, I think, have to be made this weekend, Joe. And what we're going to do here in this segment is sort of put two fantasy players up against each other here in terms of on the field and try to make the final decision as to whether or not we should be starting one of these two players. And certainly, uh, people have to make decisions like this every week. So it's like a borderline call, and maybe for some people making the decision in DFS as well as to which way they will go. Oh, sure, absolutely. It feels like a fantasy Thunderdome. Two players enter, one leaves, and is in your lineup. The other gets relegated to the And this, I think, you're going to do here is actually a lot closer than people might realize right out of the gate. Yep. All right, so let's take a look at it. Let's take a look at the two quarterbacks who we are going to feature today on the show. And here's the choices, Joe, we got for you. We got Cam Newton of the New England Patriots, going to make his second start with the Pats on the road. And um, 
certainly uh, New England this week is uh, definitely up against it as they go to Seattle. Drew Brees will take on the Las Vegas Raiders. So, Joe, which side do you think that you'd like to go on this matchup? Well, typically I'm not a huge fan of Drew Brees on the road anyway to begin with. Over the last three years, he's averaged around 217 yards per game on the road. That's not nearly as good as his 278 average at home. Somewhere around a touchdown, 0.3, 1.3 for the touchdowns there for Breeze on the road over at home. It's more like two and a half. So this is a very different fancy player you're getting outside of that dome. And I know that first start in the dome wasn't great, but again, it's week one, no preseason, you know, shaking the dust off, Tampa's defense better than people realize, blah, 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 whatever. What I like about Cam Newton this week is the same thing I liked about him last week. He controls his own destiny. So few of us do. But Cam Newton does, and I love that about Cam because this is a guy that is going to rush the football. This is a guy that is going to get rushing touchdown equity. This is a guy who's going to basically be the focal point of the offense, and there are a few quarterbacks like that. Now, he's going to have to have some of these other guys like Nikhil Harry continue to step up a little bit. Got some decent play out of Edelman, decent play out of James White. So everybody collectively has to play better around him. But I think with one game together, you know, under their belt, I understand Seattle is a tough assignment. It's a lot easier without a full crowd in that building. I will tell you that much. I'm actually going to lean towards Cam Newton. I want control of the fantasy points. I think Cam Newton can do that. And Cam Newton, look, physically, looks as good as he has, I would say, in years. He looks like a rookie again. His legs are a lot lighter. He looks in fantastic shape. He looked very spry. I understand there's a lot of things still in that New England offense that need to get worked out. Believe me, I see it. But at the same time, for fantasy, I want that rushing touchdown. I want that touchdown upside and those rushing yards. And I think all things being equal, that Cam Newton gives me at least a higher floor, potentially even, than Drew Brees does, believe it or not. How about you, Craig? What do you see in this one? Yeah, Michael Thomas is supposedly not going to play. That's probably going to happen. And uh, it looks like he's out. You have to make the decision before Monday. And if that was the case, I probably would side with you and take Cam Newton for the same reason that you illustrated because of the rushing touchdowns. Uh, we don't really know what Drew Brees could look like without a significant target like that, without Thomas being out of the game. He still could throw a touchdown or two. But even with Thomas last week, Breeze got outscored by some other fantasy quarterbacks as well. So I'll agree with you mm -hmm. on this one, and I will go with Cam Newton as well. All right, now let's take a look at the running back position, Joe. And I think that probably this is more of a DFS question, but maybe some people are on the fence on a flex spot or an RB2 spot. Let's take a look at Ronald Jones of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who is going to be hosting the Carolina Panthers, who struggled to contain... Josh Jacobs last week, but remember, those a lot of those touchdowns were one-yard touchdowns, too, so Jones will have to be a little fortunate, maybe get some calls in the end zone or have players drop down on the one-yard line. And then Chris Carson, who had a very good fantasy week last week, Joe, but not really rushing the ball. It was receiving the ball, and that's you know not really predictable, a little bit of an anomaly, I would think. He's got the New England Patriots on deck. It would appear on paper that Jones has the better matchup, but Carson certainly is probably the better running back. So who between these two has more fantasy points this week? Well, look, in daily, you don't have to worry about this because Seattle's the night game. Where in the last question, you could play that Sunday night, Monday night game together on FanDuel, and you can actually make that decision between Cam Newton and Drew Brees. And I'll tell you what, I'd prefer to save a little bit of uh, money there and get some other weapons and go with Cam Newton over Drew Brees there as well. In this one, it's more of a, a season-long situation. And... It's funny because that New England defense looked really good last week. It was just the Dolphins, so you always want to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. 
Carson's the better back. There's no way around that. But I think in terms of game script and in terms of that Carolina defense being so bad, I, I am terrified of if and when Fournette does get unleashed a little bit more and is more comfortable in his offense. But I actually think Ronald Jones might be the better start in this particular one. I, Carson did have the two touchdowns. It was great. But at the same time, that New England defense was really good last year. At the end of the year, I think things got a little worn out there because the offense just really didn't deliver for them and I think put them in some bad spots and they were on the field a little too much. And unfortunately, things kind of unraveled. But I feel like they're renewed and ready to go. And I think they're going to go up there and actually prove to be pretty difficult against Seattle. I'm actually going to roll with Ronald Jones here. And I can't believe I'm saying that because Chris Carson is definitely the better fantasy back most weeks. But this particular matchup against Carolina, especially with Godwin out, I imagine there might even be more in the passing game for a guy like Ronald Jones than normally he would get in terms of target volume. And Mike Evans is hurt too. So it's going to be all hands on deck there for them. What do you think? Yeah, uh, we're two for two here because I, I don't think that – I think the biggest misnomer is that that Jacobs ran wild against Carolina. He did not. He had a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. near the goal line because they moved the ball down there so much. I don't think Ronald Jones is going to put up the numbers that Jacobs did last week, but I do think that he is the better option over Carson this week in fantasy. Andrew Erickson joins us next on the show to break down some of the injuries in fantasy. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, yo. Welcome back, everybody, to Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. And our next guest is one of our favorite folks here over on the program. You saw me talk to him a bunch getting you ready for draft prep season. And guess what? It's in season now. That's right. So we're going to play a little past, present, and future with one of PFF's best fantasy football minds. He's the one, the only Andrew Erickson. Andrew, welcome back to the program, my friend. How are you? How was your week one? Week one was great, Joe. I had two leagues where I couldn't pick up a kicker or defense because I forgot to add them and submit waivers, and I ended up scoring the most points in the league. So that just goes to show you you know, how important kickers and defenses are, and if you have the right actual players, then you will prevail. Could have been worse. You could have had Goskowski, and then it would have been a whole different story. You know, that's uh, maybe sometimes it's better to leave that spot open. I don't know if you get negatives for missing field goals in that format, but uh, I'm with you. No kickers. I still like to play defenses, and I I, I do play in more than one IDP league. I'm not going to lie, but uh, but yeah, uh, kickers. No, I don't need I don't need them. We don't need them. Football doesn't need them. Let's go totally XFL and let's get all kinds of crazy stuff going on instead. But uh, let's talk about week one and some of the stuff that just happened in the past. And let's start with obviously the Marlon Mack injury because that has now opened up things in this Colts backfield to a different tune. So everybody who is very pro Jonathan Taylor, all those team Taylor people are very excited, not because Marlon Mack is hurt, but because there probably is a little bit more clarity. However, Naheem Hines certainly looked like uh, the new version of Danny Woodhead with Phillip Rivers. So in PPR, he's certainly going to be relevant as well. But do you think now going forward, this is just as easy as saying, hey, it's the Jonathan Taylor show for better, for worse. This is what's going to be the rest of the season. Yeah, I think it definitely is the Jonathan Taylor show there in Indianapolis. You have the guy. I mean, he was amazing at college. You know what he was able to do throughout his years at Wisconsin and That offensive line is there. Everything is built up for him to absolutely smash. And the fact of the matter is 
No one thought he would ever be used as a receiver, and he comes out and has six catches. He had a better receiving day than he any did. rookie wide receiver did in week one, and that was something that we all expected that to be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We expected him to be the one that was catching all the passes and for Jonathan Taylor to be the one that had the 25 rushing attempts. And they just did a whole flip flop on us, you know, total role reversal. So whatever pass catching work you get from Jonathan Taylor is just a bonus for me. And I think that, you know, as the early down back, he's going to be a really productive. Honestly, he's going to be an RB one the rest of the way. Now, that being said, how much is Hines going to eat into that, if at all? Was last week just a one-off? Or do you see him being relevant, let's say, as a PPR flex guy going forward, depending on the matchup even? Yeah, I do think that Hines is going to be relevant You know, for the rest of the season. I think that you're going to be able to slide him into your flex in PPR formats, and he's going to produce points every single week because Phillip Rivers is there. And we've seen you know, Phillip Rivers loves to target the running back position, and that's something that has— carried over to the Colts and he has supported multiple running backs, Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. So he doesn't necessarily need to support them in that same ilk, but we've seen it before. And, you know, I never want to say that he'll just target a position. Usually player, usually quarterbacks target good players, but in this case, it looks like Phil Rivers is like, Hey, I don't really care. I'm going to target my slot receiver. I'm going to target my running backs. And that's all that I really care about. Well, he got to start targeting the opposing defense too. I just want to say, <laughs> Phil, if you're listening, baby, please, Maybe throw the ball to your own team a little bit more. I'm just saying last year was a problem. I was giving you the benefit of the doubt. I didn't like what I saw in a week one, but I digress. And uh, going from one backfield that might have more clarity to one that just got a whole lot messier, it's the Jets. Surprise! Le'Veon Bell drama continues. The hamstring is going to put him uh, out on the shelf for a few weeks now. So clearly this is a problem. So now that you are looking at the Le'Veon Bell stock here going forward the rest of the season, is this just a dead year? You cut bait with him. Is this a, uh, an opportunity where the Le'Veon Bell owner is so frustrated now? Maybe you throw out a low ball trade offer, throw them something maybe that you can pick off Le'Veon Bell from that roster and then play him later in the season. Where are you at with Lev Bell and this old Jet situation right now? Because it's getting muddier by the minute. Yeah, it's definitely a bad scenario. You have Le'Veon Bell because luckily, at least you can put him on an injured reserve spot on your roster. So he's not necessarily eating up a bench spot. But for me, I think that lowballing him is a good strategy because when you look at it, he has a hamstring injury. So we don't know necessarily if he would actually be out three weeks if this new injured reserve designation hadn't been basically filled in this year. So it could have been, he could have been week to week, but the Jets are just taking advantage of it. Like, hey, we're just going to shut you down for three weeks. You know, that's the hamstring injury needs. You just need time off and just to not do anything. So it's like, hey, you need three weeks, come back and get healthy. And just looking at the way that the Jets backfield is set up right now, there is not anyone in that backfield that screams, oh my God, this guy is going to come over and take the job. Absolutely just smash expectations. I think that LaMichael P. Ryan is interesting from Florida, the rookie, but again, he's not healthy either. Right. So I don't know what, what he's going to be coming back. I don't want Frank Gore. I don't want Kalen Bellage. <laughs> no <laughs> one does. No one wants Kalen Bellage. Let's be frank. Uh, Josh Adams is an interesting guy. Who, you know, he flashed a little bit with the Eagles a couple years back, but he's probably the only one I would take a stab on. But I think you should offer a low ball for Le'Veon Bell because he could end up following the Leonard Fournette route. He could get cut, he could get traded, mm -hmm. and he could end up with a contender. We know he can still be a productive player and especially a receiver as a, at the running back position, and injuries are going to happen. We've already seen tons of injuries. So 
you could see him get moved. So I think that if you have an extra receiver on your on your team, you don't need that sixth, fifth wide receiver because you're never going to want to start them. So if you have a guy that pops, you know, maybe McCole Horman when he pops one week, send a trade offer, get Le'Veon Bell on your bench, and then you can figure out what to do with him because he has more upside, I think, than just an extra wide receiver on your bench. I agree with that strategy completely. And uh, I think these next three weeks are about the Jets trying to evaluate what else they have on this roster to see if they can make that very move that you're talking about is somehow jettisoning him either via trade or cutting him or something like that. Something's going to go down. I don't know what, but it's just starting to feel like it's going to uh, the Rams running back situation this week was surprising as well. Malcolm Brown last week had a terrific Sunday night football performance. Uh, I don't think any of us really saw that coming. I know I didn't, at least maybe you did. You're much smarter than me. So tell me, uh, do you think this is Malcolm Brown's backfield to lose now? Or was that just a one off week one performance and a one week wonder? I think it's definitely his backfield to lose. There's no reason why, you know, when you stat out the Rams for week two and, you know, projections or anything like that, you would say, oh, okay, Akers is going to get the most carries. That that wouldn't make a lot of sense to do just based on what we have from week one evidence. So it's definitely his job to lose. But at the same time, you know, Akers was playing in his first NFL game and Daryl Henderson was coming back from an injury. So realistically, this should have been his job from the start. Like he should have been the guy from week one. So maybe we just kind of got caught up in the rookie hype as we tend to do sometimes, especially with these rookie running backs. But I mean, it should have been, Hey, Malcolm Brown is the guy, but you know, as they're going to probably find out sooner rather than later that acres is probably better. They drafted him in the second round. And I mean, I'm just, I don't feel crazy saying that, you know, we've seen Malcolm Brown. We, we've seen him for a lot of years and he did this last year too. He scored two touchdowns. So mm-hmm. to say that he's this runaway guy, I don't think that I think that he's a guy that obviously people picked up off the waiver wire this week because he can definitely be started this week and in the upcoming weeks. But in two months or in middle of October, am I going to be shocked if we start to see, hey, well, Akers had more carries than Malcolm Brown. OK, yeah, I think that we're going to probably see that happen. So Malcolm Brown is maybe someone that you use as a short term piece on your team, maybe has another big game. And if you can flip him for something more long standing maybe even acres straight up. That could be an interesting strategy. Well, I just added him in flex and I can tell you right now, I'm already considering, okay, this is his value at peak right now. And I did spend the most on him. I'm sure somebody spent close to what I spent most likely. So I'm thinking that uh, it might be time to shop him just to see, just to see what's out there. I'm also a Fournette owner in that league too. So I kind of want to have one more week where I play him waiting for Fournette to kind of come back a little bit, but we'll find out. All right, let's talk about the present right now. And even though we are still kind of working through what's going to be with Michael Thomas and his high ankle sprain, it's never a good injury typically. Whether or not he ends up playing, again, we're kind of pre-taping this interview. But right now, even if he does get on the field this week on Monday night, you have to imagine there's going to be a little bit of a difference. And I know some people are making a case, well, Emmanuel Sanders or Jared Cook or or maybe even a Traquan Smith. But I kind of feel like what they should do is just get back to running the football and actually a little bit more Latavius Murray and continue to use, you know, Alvin Kamara in the passing game as they did last week. But last week was a tough matchup. Currently, right now in the present, what do you think the best strategy is or who the bigger beneficiary is if indeed this Michael Thomas injury should linger? Is it one of the wide receivers or is it potentially a guy like Murray or a guy like Cook? I think it's probably a combination of Cook and Emmanuel Sanders. I think Alvin Kamara is going to be heavily involved in the passing game regardless. You know, he's had 81 catches for three straight seasons and he's probably going to get there, maybe even get more catches this year with the Michael Thomas sideline potentially for a little bit longer than we would hope. But 
I was off Jared Cook this whole draft season and partially due because of the fact that Michael Thomas was there and he was going to eat up all these targets. But now it's like, well, Jared Cook probably looks like a good, you know, a good tight end to have. And we're seeing this with a lot of tight ends. Hawkinson, you know, he stepped mm-hmm. up with his receiver down. Noah Fant, he stepped up with his receiver right. down. So you're seeing these tight ends get, just get more involved because, hey, we just lost the alpha of the offense. So mm-hmm. these targets need to go somewhere. So we're going to see, you know, Jared Cook get more involved. And he was obviously with the team last year. So he has some established chemistry with Drew Brees. So I say that Jared Cook is probably the main beneficiary in the pass catching game. And then Emmanuel Sanders would probably fall in second. You know, he was pretty involved last week. But the biggest one, you know, people are looking at Traquan Smith as a potential flyer. But with Traquan Smith, he played a full complement of slaps last week, and he only had one catch. And I compare him to a guy who I really like as a super duke sleeper, Deontay Harris, who is just an explosive player. He's a really good return specialist. He had two touches last week. He had a carry and a catch for 17 yards. He forced two missed tackles on both of them. So he's someone that I think that could play a lot more with Michael Thomas sideline. I think that he could really uh, impress. All right. So let's go a little future here. And let's talk about week two. We saw all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers last week used his whole complement of weapons. Are we going to see that again? Or is that the one off? Because Lazard was useful. MVS was useful. Spread the ball around. Adams is always going to be great. Jones is always going to get his. But was that a mirage or in week two now against the Lions, are we going to see more of this same where there's confidence with Aaron Rodgers and his secondary targets? Well, it's funny because all of his receivers scored all more fantasy points than all of the rookie wide receivers did. So mm-hmm. it's maybe the Packers, maybe they thought, hey, in a truncated offseason, maybe we should just rely on guys who have been in our system and not draft rookies opposed to what everybody else thought. So. There looks like they're winners in week one, and I do think that it's going to continue because the Lions' defense got shredded last week against Mitchell Trubisky, and they're down three corners right now in the secondary. So they have a ton of injuries, and I think it's going to be wheels up again for for Packers and those pass catchers. All right, speaking of wheels up, or Carson Wentz's wheel's going to be up, and he's going to be flat on his back with Aaron Donald this week. I mean, I'm just saying— uh, you know, Johnson says he's going to be back. That's great. But that's just one guy. They got to start moving Carson Wentz a little bit in the pocket. I talked about this yesterday on the show. Don't you think they got to come up with uh, some better ideas here? Because this is a really dangerous scenario right now. Yeah, it's not looking good. So Wentz was pressured. <laughs> Wentz was pressured on uh, the fifth most last in week one. Uh, Dak Prescott was pressured the third most in week one. So <laughs> <laughs> it's all by Aaron Donald moving 12 guys at one time. I mean, the guy's just it's just not fair. It just, it feels like when you're watching him play, he's like you, when you play against your little cousins and you're just pushing them off, pushing them around. It, it's, it's so much fun to watch. I like watching line play. Not everybody does. I do. It, uh, it brings me joy and it brings me joy to sit and talk with you every week. So Andrew's going to be joining us every week here again, go check him out over on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore and check him out on uh, PFF as well. Pro football focus. He's also hosting on Sirius XM radio on Sunday nights. Correct. What time can everyone hear that show? Andrew seven to 9 PM Eastern. You can call in too. So I want to oh. I want to hear from the people. Oh, well, you know, I'm going to I'm going to prank call you one day. It's going to be uh, Joe from New Jersey. I got a couple things. I got a roster move. I want to run by you, see if I can maybe make something work. Uh, but no, you work hard enough. I'm not going to uh, pull your chain, at least not the first couple weeks of the season. Maybe week eight, nine, we start selling in. I'll do that. But Andrew, appreciate your time and your knowledge. As always, we're getting a break. We come back more fantasy sports today right here on Sports Grid. Don't get anywhere. We'll be right back after this. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today with you here on SportsGrid. Thanks again to Andrew Erickson for coming on and doing a great job, except for slandering Frank Gore. Beyond that, uh, liked everything that he had to say on the show. I'm very disappointed. No one's in on Frank Gore, one of the greatest running backs of all time. But okay, that's fine. He'll prove you wrong again in 2020. All right, Joe, let's take a look at receiving yards for uh, 2020. And uh, look, on the FanDuel Sportsbook, they got a lot of great options for you. I would invite people to go on to the FanDuel Sportsbook, folks. They have so many great options. And by the way, in-season wagering on some of these props. And that is new for 2020. You can still Mm -hmm. bet on the most receiving yards in the NFL even after the week one started. That's fantastic. Here they are. Julio Jones, plus 460. Devontae Adams is 5-1. to Hopkins is 10 to 1. Ridley is 12 to 1. Godwin's 13 to 1. I don't know if that's wise right now, considering he's still iffy for this week. And then uh, Adam Thielen at 23 to 1. So, Joe, you see a very significant drop off from Godwin to Thielen there. Essentially, the chalk is Jones, Adams, Hopkins, and Ridley at 12 to 1. I don't think Jones and Ridley can both lead the league in receiving, if I'm not mistaken. It can only be one guy from Atlanta. I'm pretty sure of that. What do you like here the rest of the way? Hey, with that defense, they they could potentially end up one two. It's not impossible, that's for sure. Stranger things have happened, but uh, Julio's always that guy right around that fifteen hundred yard mark anyway. And this was kind of going into the season. We talked about it a lot. We talked about Devontae Adams, and yes, he's very good. But there's going to be some games, especially this week. I think you're going to see a little bit more Aaron Jones, a little less Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball all over the place. So I think the chalk here with Julio is definitely way to go because he's got the track record for it. But if that target volume continues for Hopkins, he could definitely get in that conversation. Yeah, Hopkins certainly is tempting, a 10 to 1, no doubt. We'll be right back with more fantasy sports today. We'll have our top of the story headlines. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.